Coming up, the Knights of Soken podcast, your favorite source for Star Wars and gaming debate, starts now. y'all welcome to the sogan podcast season three episode seven who hit fast forward here with me is roz winters and jay what strayson up? jay strayson <laughs> oh, i didn't have enough gas to get it all you didn't have it this time right? jay okay oh, that was better Pay that two was good. A, a little better how are you guys doing doing pretty good feeling pretty live have a little glass of water here just swig some pepto so you know i'm about ready to face this night you know, I'm two episodes in a row now, so I did something right. Brought me back for the second one, so I'm here. I'm having fun. I appreciate y'all having me back again. It's the sweet nothings behind the scenes, Roz. That's why we keep inviting you back. <laughs> I mean, obviously you like those, but I don't know how Blue appreciate them at all. She hasn't, said th- she hasn't said thank you once, so. I mean, I didn't say stop either. <laughs> she didn't say <laughs> stop. That's a good point. Well, we have a lot to update you guys on today. The Knights have gotten with the times and are now incorporating the Zakul storyline. We have a review of Black Desert and an update on the cartel market with a review of the Eternal Championship. And finally, we are going to discuss some Star Wars comics. You guys ready? Yes, I'm super excited about the comic book section. I couldn't be more stoked. I feel a little tickle in the top of my chest trying to get out into my throat. Can you hear it? Alrighty, let's get started. Recently, the Knights of Soaking Council decided to incorporate the Zakul storyline with the Guild storyline, and major kudos to the Knights on the intro event, which was on March 23rd. They had 102 active participants in this event online all at once. So, with the jump into the new time era, how is it going to affect y'all's roleplay? I think bottom line is not going to affect our roleplay at all. One of the big things we've been kind of singing over and over again is that we're not changing much of anything in the Knights of Soken except for the setting. And the setting is just the window dressing, what's around us as we create our own stories. The stories of the Knights of Soken, whether it's specialization stories or otherwise, have never been too dependent on Swotor's writing or Swotor's story, other than just setting the stage. The pieces are in place and then we just play our game. Yeah, you know, Jace pretty much took it up that one. It, uh, the roleplay that we put out really isn't going to change that much. It's just the time area in which we do it in. I mean, uh, obviously people can start speaking of the cool within their roleplay and the empire that they've created. You know, the downfall of the Republic, Senate being almost wiped out. Those kinds of things will help add elements to different specializations and RP and just RP in general. Even Master Padawan could incorporate if they wanted to. But to say the guild will change roleplay entirely or as an entire guild, that's a little much. I think Jace hit the head. It's a setting change simply. We wanted to get caught up with the times and with the lords. So that's, that was basically the main goal for that one. Hey, are there going to be other guild events that are going to incorporate this? I mean, guild events are really hard to pull off in a big guild. We can certainly put some impetus in place. We can certainly spark little things here and there, maybe at guild ceremonies or something, or refer to things. But when you've got 102 active people playing, anything that you do is going to be either way too overwhelming or a little bit underwhelming because everybody can't take part to the level that they should. We split our role play up, like you guys do, into specializations so that the specializations are smaller, they're manageable, and they have their own kind of stories going on. Will those stories cross into the Zakul space? Most likely. I imagine that there will be some backdrop of Zakul in those. But as guild-wide events, eh, I don't know that we'll do something huge. Maybe some pace-setting type stuff more than huge overarching storylines. 
I'm almost in shock listening to Jace talk right now because Jace, that's not even the Jace that I know. Jace that I know wants everything to be big and there to be six guild events per week and everyone's involved and it was just crazy for me to sit there. I do want that. Like that. <laughs> I do but, want that. But I'm going to sit here and I'm going to tell you that. I think that there can be some other guild events that are created amongst this, but maybe not featured just with this is cool. Possibly with the Lords. We might have a guild-wide event with Knights Token, Lords Token. It could happen. I'm sure that as a council, we're always talking and we're always looking at ways that we can incorporate the whole guild. But Jace did kind of say a lot of the great things about his statement was great. With 100 people, it's so hard to try to incorporate the whole guild and, and i think we did a very good job with it this time and i think just how we can manage the group is even better so that every person can get even a little bit more in depth when we have a guild roleplay like that so going forward in the future if we do have some more of them i think as a council we learned how to make those events better for the community right. and, and, that was, and that was awesome definitely feel like that was a learning event for us i think it was a success for what we did i feel good about it i had a good time and i hope that the guild had a good time but i feel like even more than that we learned a lot about how we can do events like that can touch everybody but at the same time not dig into their personal rp or dig into their spec rp i mean just the emotes alone you don't even talk about putting a story on or trying to make the narrative connect people's reaction emotes made the scroll just unbelievable okay well, what have your characters been up to? What is Roz Winters and Jace Jason? What are they doing? What have they been doing for the past five years? Um, each other. I think one of the storylines. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. That's so not true. I would never let that happen. <laughs> Roz, the character, would never let that happen for sure. But I'll tell you, you know, Roz hasn't been up to that much. I mean, obviously, in five years, he was with the council assisting, you know, the Senate trying to rebuild. He did go take the path that we laid forward between the Senate and going out and finding some of the Jedi that's to help rebuild the Order. So Roz actually went to Coruscant to help trying to rebuild the Senate. So that was cool. He was there. Obviously, it's a crazy time in the Star Wars universe. That's where he kind of spent the five-year gap. I don't know about Jace. Jace had a really rough time. First of all, I completely changed Jace's look from kind of a young, he's naive a, council he's member. He's got a creepy soul patch now. Yeah, to uh, a little <laughs> bit more of a grizzled council member. It was a hard five years. But Duin, Jace's former Padawan, who is a Sentinel, and Jace are... I say are going to because we're actually going to put the story together in retrospect. They went out into the wilds and rescued Jedi who found themselves in trouble or trapped or cornered or unable to get back to the core because of the Zakul invasion. So that's kind of something me and Duwin are working on on the side to flesh out our five-year time jump. The climax of the event involved one of our favorite council members, Tremrith. Is he really dead? You know, first of all, I have to say, I never thought in my life I would hear the word climax and tremorth happen. In right, that's, those, those things don't, they don't, they definitely don't go together at all. It's clashing in my head the whole time he said it. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. No, but yeah, he's actually dead, and it was kind of a sad moment in the life of a lot of our Jedi, anyway, that knew him. And it's hard to say I love Tremorth, he was a salty old bean. <laughs> well, you know, it's what's cool for me, Jason, and I think a lot of people will agree with this, is that when you talk to Tremorth about it, it's kind of crazy to think of how invested a person can become to a character in a game, right, that they've created. And I know it was a little hard for him to get rid of Tremorth and go away from him, so it was difficult for me, you know, even as Roz the character, as Trim and him grew up and came up through the ranks together. But I think all in all, he did a really good job with the role play and he nailed it and it was perfect he did i think so too and i think that it added a level of depth to the story because it wouldn't have really mattered if soken didn't lose anything there had to be some type of thing that said hey this is a cool invasion hurt us it was something massive that it didn't just go by unnoticed we actually lost 
a council member and friend character through the through the story. So yeah, he did. Great. Yeah, it definitely it added that realism to it. Oh man, somebody was really gone, and something really did happen, other than just people telling a story. So you kind of got to see part of the story unfold out in front of your eyes, and that was pretty cool. Yep. So now we have Lantheus, the sheepish lion. Sheepish lion, who looks identical <laughs> to Trimrith. <laughs> who is the Trimrith clone? <laughs> All right. On that very sad note. Let's move on. Black Desert is a new-to-us MMO that launched outside of Korea on March 3rd. A few members of both the Knights and the Lords have recently gotten into the game. Roz, Jace, have you guys had a chance to play the game or read any interesting reviews? Taint touched it, but um, I've looked into it a fair amount. How about you, Roz? I've done my reading right as an MMOer, MMOer, no MMO player. I definitely looked into the game and seen if it was worth my time. Um, I've yet to play it, but I have definitely read about it. I don't think I'm going to play it, to be honest with you, because bottom line, there's a saturation of high fantasy MMOs, high fantasy RPGs. Another one on the market, unless you're really going to break the mold, I just don't think it deserves my time. I don't think I'm going to spend minutes that I could be either working on Soaking in SWOTOR or even playing WoW on a new game that's kind of just one in the crowd. I think that's the general consensus of the game is that it's just another MMO that's out to try to compete against the likes of WoW and SWOTOR and is it going to be able to live up to the hype? The only thing I will say about it is it definitely adds a different element to a massive online role-playing game than I've seen yet as far as its time frame, the way it's set. It's definitely different than WoW, way different than SWOTOR, so it's definitely a change of pace from what we live on the day-to-day of the games that we play. I mean, I definitely yeah. would be interested to see the story at least. I don't know that I care a whole lot about the story because story is what I'm sick of in the high fantasy, but if I delved in, the reason would be because it's a sandboxer, and sandbox games, I mean, let's be honest, my all-time favorite MMO, Star Wars Galaxies, full of sandbox stuff to do, I like sandbox games. However, I hate a grind. <laughs> And a lot of times, sandbox games and grinds go hand in so hand. So how can you... That's that's so contradictory. How can you say, I love sandbox games, but I hate a grind? It's like 95% grind is a sandbox MMO. So well, I, I like a fair mix, because what I like about your theme park MMOs is that the grind is minimal. You're entertained, at least, the whole time you're leveling. The sandbox stuff, to me, is endgame. I like, after I've played my character, got my character max level, I like to think about the next things that you can do to advance the character. So it is kind of roleplay-ish centric, but not just... I like housing. I like decorating houses. I like crafting to a certain extent if it's an engaging crafting system. One thing I like about this game is there's taming. I don't know if it's a profession or but in order to have mounts you have to actually go out and tame beasts which is kind of cool like that's a real sandboxy way to make mounts interesting. That's something different than you see in almost any game. Instead of just going through a raid or going through a quest line and buying one or getting a drop from that. That's definitely a different aspect. There's elements of what you said that make sense, and there's also that don't. Parts of me, if I'm thinking sandbox, you know, I want to be able to build all those things like you were describing, like your house and your mounts and things like that. I want to build that inventory up as I'm leveling my character. So by the time I get to end game, I'm almost all the way set up. You know, I may have a few different things to go out and get, but by the time I'm there, I've completed. I'm also a perfectionist, so if I'm playing a game, I'm going zone through zone. You know, I want to get 100% of zone one completed before I even move to zone two. Whether that's main story, building, decorating, getting certain gear, whatever it is, that's just the kind of way I like it. So I differ from you in that aspect. Well, a lot of the buzz around the game centers around the PvP aspect. Do you think that helps the game market value? 
If you're a PvPer. <laughs> yeah, right. sure it does. If you I, like PvP, it does. Yeah, I think it does for sure. I mean, if you look at the two biggest MMO on the market now, and you got WoW and you know, mostly SWOTOR, at least in our community, PvP kind of sucks in those games. I mean, it's okay in WoW, but it's pretty crappy in SWOTOR here, at least the last couple of seasons. I mean, for a new MMO to come up and it be PvP-centric, that's going to have a good chance of being successful. If that's what you're going there for. And I don't know that a sandbox game is necessarily... I mean, it's weird, because if you say open-world sandbox PvP, there's something in that sentence that really excites me. I like the concept of open-world PvP. I think once you get to a certain level, you automatically are queued for world PvP. I, a lot of times, will queue in SWOTOR, and not queue, but I'll PvP flag when I'm just running dailies and stuff, because it adds an element of, yay, I get to do something else if someone tries to jump me or something. So there is that bit of fun in the leveling, but if they don't have something to kind of go beyond that piece of PvP, which I don't know, they may. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't mean, know six the pieces, full... six pieces of different types of PvP that they're offering. One definitely open world, and you got your Black Desert, which is kind of just similar to the regular PvP that you know it. Your arena style, which is different, right? Instance PvP, and the list goes on. A Battlefield edition type PvP. Battlefield I is what I could really get into, as opposed to the world PvP. Battlefield, like Guild Wars 2, has a really cool PvP system to me. It's real objective focused. It's realm versus realm, so it's like community against community. I like that. And it takes place kind of outside of the world. It's not in the game itself. And I don't know if this is like that, but I like the idea of a battlefield that you have to control. I'm just saying that when you're trying to compete with major MMOs in today's age, you have to have something that separates you apart from them. And I don't know if you agree with that or not, but if your staple is PvP, then your staple is PvP. At least people, when they think about Black Desert, they go, oh yeah, I go there because I PvP. I go to WoW because I raid. I go to Sword Tour because I roleplay. You have to have something that your game is centered around. Otherwise, you have nothing to hang your hat on at the end of the day. And I think that's maybe my, I don't want to say beef, but that's why I don't feel stoked about Black Desert. I don't know that it has something to hang your hat on. It just seems like... Everything is to a level that's probably really good quality. I don't think it's a crap game, but it doesn't have anything that's like, wow, no one's doing that. Well, I don't think you're at the point where you can say that yet because the game is so new. So I don't think you, well, I mean, we've, is, we've seen enough, you know what I mean? It is, but it isn't. It's been out in Korea for a couple years already. It's not like brand new. It's new to the West for right. sure. So it's out in Korea, but we're talking about the United States, which, I mean, come on. And that's another thing. <laughs> Korean games, notorious for the grind. Like, the painful yeah, grind. Yeah, yeah, I can't disagree with that. And I'm not a fan of a grind either. I really don't enjoy the grind. But if I am going to grind, I want to have an alternate outlet like PvP or like your PvE. Had you guys you know, heard of the game before the guild introduced you guys to it? No. <laughs> I had not. It was not. And the funny thing about that is, I follow IGN pretty well. I may have seen an article go by when I was scrolling, but I did not open it. It wasn't like one of those that came out as main title, you gotta check this out. Yeah, do you think the fact that people we play with are also playing that game, do you think maybe you'll try it out because of that? No. And <laughs> this is the reason, right? Not enough people I know are playing it. I think if I do try it out, it'll be one of these, I'm at home on a Saturday with nothing to do and it's 8 a.m. and I'm bored out of my mind, so I'm going to download it and give it a shot. To be honest, that's how I started playing Star Wars. I really can't say that's a bad method, but I don't think that it was something that, you know, it definitely wasn't on my wish list, but like that, before you know, we started talking about it and so can. Same. I don't see myself diving in. I've got a lot of other games that I'm backlogged on that I... But I don't ever have time to play. I will say that this game looks beautiful. The pictures, the images, the YouTube videos, they all look like the game is just gorgeous to look at, and that is something. Well, you know, I agree too. You know, what I've seen, the fighting system looks unique. It definitely looks like it's one of a kind, so I could be excited about it. At this moment, I'm just really not. All right, let's move on.
enjoying today's show? Interested in joining the Knights of Sokin? If these apply to you, please visit us at www.knightsofsokin.com and click the apply button above. Also, feel free to send a comment our way on Twitter at Knights of Sokin, as well as Facebook at facebook.com slash Knights of Sokin. Now, back to our show. And our next segment is on the new update from Star Wars, the Eternal Championship. So what is it, guys? Essentially, the Eternal Championship is the latest thing that BioWare came out with. It's basically what it's going to be is a a round-by-round type PvE solo element. What I mean by that is you're going to go into an arena and be thrown at a round-by-round basis, different mechanics and different fights that you'll be tested and tried with in a solo version, which I guess is something that SWOTOR has never seen before, so a lot of people are excited about it. Yeah, it is new to SWOTOR for sure. I think that it has the potential to breathe momentary life into the uh, the PvE aspect of the game, but, you know, it's just it's layers of waves, boss wave content that you... You can gear up this way, and you can kind of progress through your class. One good thing I'll say about it is with the classes, you can now level 60 a class real quick. You don't have to do the full game by playing just the story missions, blah, blah, blah. It can help you get better at your class. Right, learning your class, maybe, but also it could be a very frustrating way for you to learn your mechanics because if it's going to be a round-by-round boss evolution, you're going to probably wipe a lot, which is going to be a very, very very frustrating time. You might, but you learn more by failure than you do by success, Roz. I know you've heard this before in your life. I mean, I guess. I don't think it's been something that I practice. I don't like to fail. I'm not, I don't like to lose, I guess. So I go into something when I'm ready to do it, not whenever I'm just going to give it a shot. So. Well, so you sorry. guys mentioned oh, I'm a freaking that, champ, Jace. I'm a champion. Uh, Me? <laughs> <laughs> rude. You guys mentioned the gearing. It seems like we're looking at a new model for gearing in this game. It seems like Bioware is moving away from the traditional PvE gearing path. Is this the end of the gear grind? And do you think that this new thing is going to get more people involved in the traditional raids? So, see, I don't think it's the end of a gear grind. I think it's the beginning of another gear grind. Right. And what I mean by that is, so instead of getting with a group of people, so a group of eight at the minimum to go to a raid and gear up, you're going to do it by yourself. First of all, it's going to be boring. Second of all, if you're not an experienced raider, right, you're not going to have anybody there to try to coach you or help you through. Maybe even give you little pointers and tips that make you pass the raid rather than wipe a hundred times. So I think it just opens up a whole nother way to grind for gear. Not yeah, but you can't say it. it's boring because some people love to solo game. That's the way they play. They don't want to have to rely on others. They don't want to have to look for a, you know, seven other people to queue up for a raid. They would enjoy just hammering out the grind of a solo wave after wave. Look, now I have a piece of gear to go at the end and they can graduate that gear up as they go. To me, that's not the most fun way to do it, but I think that there's a lot of people that play MMOs. That's exactly what they'd rather do rather than rely on group content. I see, and I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think that's a very small population of the game. I think the majority of the game would love to see a brand new eight-man to 16-man type raid environment with a brand new bosses, brand new settings. Bring some life back to the PvE. Don't throw us this garbage Bioware. What is that? A one-man setting. It's not garbage. It's a bone. They're throwing us a bone. 
Is it the bone we want to gnaw on? Probably not. Do I want another operation? Absolutely. More operations, more flashpoints, more stuff that's going to bring some real long-term life to the game. Yes. But is this something? And it is something. It, it does show me that, you know, at least they are considering alternate ways of appealing to different crowds. Oh. Is it my crowd? Maybe not. But it is definitely... I think that probably you'd be surprised the percentage of people that would rather solo game in an MMO. I think it's a pretty large chunk of people. I think that this is Bioware's way of throwing you a bone, like you said, but throwing a bone to create less work for them. So instead of creating three or four 8 to 16 man operations, they're getting by by saying, oh, we're going to create this one 12 round instance where you can go in there by yourself. You don't have to. They try to make it sound better and spice it up by saying you don't have to queue for anything. You can just go on your own whenever you want to at your own leisure. That's To me, that's taking away the whole fun of getting in the raid, learning the mechanics, talking with your raid team, your raid leaders, figuring out your gear, getting in the instance and wiping and trying and learning versus just doing it by yourself. I get you're saying that the community in Swotor may want a solo because that's how they play the game. But to me, you're taking the easy way out, by the way. And, I, and that's frustrating to a lot of members that, that play the game and subscribe to this game monthly. It's so frustrating. It can, I can see the frustration, but the path of least resistance is often the best business decision in the now. Are they doing any favors long-term to this, to this game and to this property? I don't necessarily think so, but no, are they hurting it? I don't think they're hurting it at all. They're buying some minutes. They're buying time while hopefully they're coming up with some content that's going to have some sticking and staying power. This thing I think is going to dry up pretty quickly because once you've gotten to, to rank 10 and you've gotten all the static gear and you've got the pet drop and the mount drop that comes from 8 and 10 boss, what's the reason to keep playing it? There's not You're one. done. You're never going to do it again. You're not going to go back and do it again. Correct. It's not However, liking it. Go ahead. They've bought themselves some time as they continue to create this other content that they're kind of focusing on now. So any rumors about the mechanics behind the event and how do they work? Uh, it, it is currently on PTS. I have done little to no reading about what the actual mechanics are from boss to boss. From what I have seen is that it is probably pretty easily doable by those who are already geared, especially in like your upper level hard mode gear. It is not tailored in any way to your spec. So whether you're healing, DPS, or tanking, there's no real way you're going to play differently. You've got to, you know, attrition's going to be the name of the game. You're going to have to DPS race, and there's probably a mechanic or two that you're going to have to learn. But what specifically those are, I don't know yet. So I've done a little bit more reading than Jace, who obviously didn't prep for this segment. Right. <laughs> I'm just um, so rounds one through five, right? Your beginning stages. And Jace hit on it earlier. Um, most people, you know, buy their sixty token, and then they play Knights of the Fallen Empire. The people who have returned. The first five rounds are going to be one major mechanic, and these rounds are going to be simply to help you learn your class. You know, what's my interrupts? Uh, what's my CC break? What's my basic attacks and my stance and those kind of things? And you'll learn all those in the, in the first five rounds. So after you get past the fifth round, now you're going to go into multiple mechanics where, you know, in the raiding world, we call that phases. You're going to get a first phase, maybe a second phase, and even a third. And then once you get up to, you know, rounds eight and ten, you know, that's when it gets more complex. You're going to have waves of phases. You may have different groups of ads that come at you. So it definitely becomes more complex as you go. I think that the main reason for this whole championship that they've developed is simply to help people learn their class. And I really do hope Jace is right and that this is simply eluding and buying them time to they actually give us a real operation. 
I mean, surely, surely they're coming out with another operation. That's what, that's real end game for every MMO. For them to say they're they're not going to do one is really short sighted and kind of shooting themselves in the foot. That's cutting the nose to spite the face. And I really don't think that these developers are that lame. Well, the sad part is, it, in you, I know that you'll agree with this. You would you would believe it if they said they weren't going to give you another raid. We all would. We would all be like, well, that's it's like Bioware to say that we're not going to get another one. So I want to agree with you and say, yeah, they're just buying time. But there's a part of me that says this is what they're trying to do so that they don't have to give you another operation. Well, this we is what they're going to give you for, so that way they don't have to. We know they're developing another PvP map. That's been in uh, a lot of data mine stuff. That's coming. It's, down, it's in the pipes. Oh, about um, time. There's nothing yet about operations, but I'm thinking if they're still going down the path of traditional MMO endgame, another operation is out there somewhere. There's going to have to be some type of Zakul, Odessan type operation with new bosses, new mechanics, new... I mean, I just have to believe that. See, I have I, to. I think that everyone would disagree because that operation should have came when the expansion first dropped. Everybody thought it would. If you go on the forums, everyone's talking, oh, we can't wait to see the operation that comes with the expansion drop and blah, blah, blah. And it, it just never happened. And you haven't even read or heard rumor of it. So it's really discouraging, upsetting, and frustrating. I am excited to play this Eternal Championship once on one tune and then never do it again. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say that I'm going to do it multiple <laughs> times with multiple tunes. I mean... But I will say that I don't necessarily think that the way that this expansion is dropping because the expansion isn't finished yet, is not traditional. They didn't package it up in a nice box and you buy it for 40 bucks. It's completely not like that. They're giving us episodes, they're giving us piece by piece, and we're not paying for it if we're subscribers. So it's not you are traditional in that way. Well, yeah, but we'd be paying anyway. We'd be subscribing whether they did this content or not. True, but to say you're not paying is not accurate. You are paying. You are paying to have it. Because if you weren't a subscriber, you wouldn't get it. Right, so but it's you, not you, like, a, say, a WoW expansion where you're paying your right. subscription plus you're going to add... 30 40 bucks on top of it for the expansion yeah i can't disagree with that but end of the day this internal championship it's different than anything we've seen before that's probably the only to me the only exciting element it holds that's it well you can get mounts out of it and I'm, i love mounts so <laughs> i'm hoping that some of the mounts will excite me beyond reason so i'll want to grind a little bit yeah, to get those I guess. drops it better be the coolest mount ever all right well final thoughts on this one i think we all know y'all's answers but is this a genuine attempt to reignite your desire to play the game or a cheap attempt to revive PV? Short answers. It's I think cheap. it's a genuine. It's uh, cheap. It's, it's cheap. No, I, I think the people at Bioware are good people. I think that this is a genuine. Somebody had an idea. They genuinely thought it was a good idea, and they're pushing it out the door. Is it the idea I would have had? You would have had? Probably not. But I don't think that they're they're trying to hornswoggle us. Simply put, Jace, stop all that defending Bioware. No one cares. They didn't want to put the effort into, right now, putting out a full 8-16 to 16 man operation with 3-4 to four bosses simply due to the fact that they're focused so much on the story. And that's fine. I'm fully understanding that people want to hear the story and play it out. But to throw this Eternal Championship junk at your raiding environment, the people who p play this game to raid, you didn't do them any favors. You actually insulted and upset them. So I, I could not say in, to any more extent this is the cheapest way to bring back a PvE environment to Sword That's simple. Yeah, All right. Bro. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> and I'm good. I really am. All right. And now we're going to move on to the segment Jace has been eagerly awaiting. Uh, Star Wars Comics. <laughs> yeah, I'm stoked. Are you okay oh, over there? We can't tell that you're stoked, Chase, not at all. My body is quivering. 
right. Comics that take place before The Force Awakens seem to contain some answers to questions that were asked during the movie's release. Do you think this is going to affect the next movie and give away too much? Now, at this point, most of the comics that have come out are so far removed from The Force Awakens that there's really no way that it can impact the story. Like, the closest thing we have to it is Shattered Empire, and that takes place, you know, at, at the latest, like three months after the Battle of Yavin. Mm. No, 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 I mean, three months after the Battle of Endor. It, it's a long way removed from The Force Awakens. Yeah, and that's the latest series that I've just dove into, so to kind of touch on what he's saying, I don't think that we're going to be able to get any answers from any of these comics slash books um not only from what he said but let's think about disney as a whole i mean i don't know what they're even going to do with the movie right so to take a comic and try to take the what i've read from this comic or this book and say oh that's going to be in the movie you know how do i know i would be guessing at best i'm going to say no to that now there there are some poe dameron some poe dameron comics coming out pretty soon here i think next month maybe even um, and we'll see how close they get to The Force Awakens, but we don't know what time period they're going to take place in. And my guess is they're not going to give us anything that's going to spoil the movie at all. Maybe some fodder for like online theory crafting, but other mm. than that, nah. Well, th- yeah, theory crafting is always going to be there. You look at back to Episode 7, right? It was Disney, and they did a great job hiding the information for the movie. I mean, you would look online everywhere trying to find bits and pieces of information that could be leaked about this movie. You couldn't find one. I think that episode eight is going to, you know, entail the same type of measures. Story or art? What's what's your favorite part about the comic book? I, I definitely have to say story, mostly because it's taking place in the Star Wars universe. The art is good. Some of the titles are better than others. Obviously, the whole Leia title, I really didn't like the art in it. Something about it was too swoopy and too long, and it just wasn't my favorite. I didn't really like the Lando art. Although I haven't read the Lando story, I'll be honest with you. Most of the other ones I've read, Lando, I haven't read, but I didn't like the way it looked. It was something almost 70s color about it that I didn't like. <laughs> but, it had a vibe to it, I guess. Yeah, it was something. I mean, maybe that was because they were trying to match Empire Strikes Back color palette. I don't know. But eh, something about it didn't look really pretty. Other than that, I feel like the, the books have looked really pretty, but that's not why I'm there. Even if they look like crap, I'm interested to know these canonized stories of our beloved Star Wars heroes. That's why I'm there. <laughs> I'm not a huge comic book person, but I think if you ask a favorite, it has to be kind of both, right? Because you're reading the comic book because of the art, but the story flows so well within the comic, the art ties it together, and I disagree with your statement on the Leia comic. I loved the art in that, and the colors, they popped, they were vibrant, they got your attention. The only thing I would say is sometimes if the comic and the art pops out too much in it, it will take away the attention from the story itself. Um, You'll more focus on what you're looking at versus what you're reading. And I think that as a person who's writing a comic or drawing slash drawing a comic, that's the balance you try to find. Um, how do I make this look entertaining, but yet keep you still focused and make it tie in with the story that you're reading? My answer would be both the story and the art. I mean, the Leia story was good. I enjoyed the Leia story, but the art to me did not look very Star Warsy. It almost had like a Flash Gordon look to it, and they didn't—they didn't try to be true to the like the photo real look of. Carrie Fisher. It was really kind of off-putting to me that they really almost didn't even try to make Leia look like Leia. No, she didn't look almost anything like Leia, but when you were talking about the art, I'm talking about the general penmanship and the actual art that went into it. I think the art itself was good. Um, Was the direction there and what we would like it to be in the Star Wars fans and what we know in the history of it? Probably not. 
But I definitely think that the art itself popped. I think it was good. I think the art was good. Yeah, I think in these books, you're not going to find anything crap, though. Like, overall, it's Marvel. It's Star Wars. They're going to get good artists. They're going to get good illustrators. They're going to get good penners. It's... Okay. I thought you were trying to slam Marvel for a second. There. No, no, no. Like, I don't... No, no. I think it's quality stuff. It's just not... That I guess art direction is the, what I have to say. It's not the art direction I would have gone or what I'd like to see. Personal favorites? Okay, so, yes, absolutely. My personal <laughs> favorite so far, for sure, the Star Wars title. The one that kind of picks up our main heroes, our main saga. It picks up between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, and it fills in so many of the gaps. And it fills in the gaps that are now canon which is what excites me the most about it. So, like, for instance, and spoiler alert, turn off if you don't want to know, um, but this is pretty early on in the series, it fills in the blanks of how Darth Vader found out that Luke was Luke Skywalker, that he was actually a Skywalker and his son. And it's interesting that um, he actually had Boba Fett go out and find out who this pilot was who blew up the Death Star. And he finds out it's a Skywalker, which brings this whole emotional kind of story to a head. That's something we never got in the movies. It's something that we never knew how it happened. And now we have canonized stories that tell us that. I also like it because it does these flashback episodes to when Luke was a small child. And it shows Obi-Wan Kenobi actually being watching over him as kind of this guardian angel type person on Tatooine with, you know, Owen Lars saying that Obi-Wan can't have anything to do with Luke, but Obi-Wan's still being there to rescue him when he needs it. And it's really cool to see all of those little cracks get filled in in our beloved story Dude, I, he just went so hard at that right there Look, the excitement it was like a listening to a Dude, little kid on christmas morning it's, it's very exciting to me that's why like <laughs> every time there's one they i think they call him like journal of obi-wan kenobi and it it's like it cuts from the regular action and flashes back to tatooine and obi-wan and luke and i'm like oh my god yes i've been wanting to know this so bad <laughs> You know, and some of my favorite stuff is more like the expanded universe. And it's not really canonized. Um, Star Wars: Heirs of the Empire was one of the, one of my favorites. Probably one of the first Star Wars comics I ever even set eyes on. I don't really have too many favorites per se. I, the extent the, sh the new Shattered Empire that came out that we were talking about earlier, and with their release to what happened before Episode Seven, those are actually very interesting. And the reason to me that they're so interesting is because. It gives you so much backstory when you watch the movie. For those who haven't, I'm sorry if you haven't watched. It really didn't give you any backstory as to what happened in the years before Episode 7 led up. So to kind of get some insight into what happened prior was really nice for me um, as a Star Wars fan. So I don't really have too much to share on it, but I'm definitely not as excited about the comics as JC is. Yeah, I'm a total um, comic geek. <laughs> Always have been. So if I had to give titles, if, if you don't have the ability to read all of the titles, you need to read the Star Wars title, for sure. You'll love mm. it. You'll absolutely love that title. Then after that, it's kind of what you like. Darth Vader, great title. Obi-Wan and Anakin is a pretty good title if you like kind of the Old Republic-type era of stories. But probably if I had to go out on a limb, I'd say the Star Wars title and the Darth Vader title you, you can't miss. Well, you know, I'll definitely add those to the read list somewhere down the line, you know. What's crazy about it is I've actually, along the line, and going down in my Star Wars fan history, I've developed a list of things to read. Unfortunately, as I go, I watch the list get bigger and me never read anything. So I'm, work <laughs> I'm working on that. But, um, I, I, you know, as excited as you are about it, I'll definitely look into it. Okay, so are, do you watch Bloody Rebels? Do you watch Star Wars Rebels? I have watched Star Wars Rebels, yes. Okay, so then the, another comic you may want to look into, they have the Kanan 
Star Wars Kanan title that is like the last Padawan and it actually ties the rebels to the old republic and talks about his original master and how he fled from order 66 and i haven't finished the story it's ongoing i believe um, but it leads you right into rebels like the first episode of rebels and how this padawan of deepa baloba comes to all the way you know hides out all these years changes his name and becomes the the kanan of the star wars rebels cartoon on uh disney xd so that's probably another one if you're a fan of that show that's another one you need to add to your list well, here's a question I have for you guys, especially you, Jace. You are very, 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 very passionate about these comics. Are you equally passionate about the books? I mean, the books give you as much information, if not more information, about the backstories of all these characters. Um, I'll tell you what. I feel a little bit burned on reading books because to read a comic book, the investment is very low. I can read a comic every night before I go to sleep in my bed on my iPad, right? And it's not, it, I finished it from beginning to end and it was a nice little story. It had great pictures and I have dreams about Star Wars. A novel, <laughs> you have to actually devote time to read. And I feel burned because I probably read 85% of the extended universe that is now completely washed away in Legends. I feel almost like my brain is corrupted by this whole side of Star Wars that's just not, it's not canon, it's not real anymore. So yeah, while these new novels are coming out and I'm intrigued, um, I read two-thirds of one of them that was talking about the three main characters in Force Awakens, but um, I haven't finished it. And the reason is because of time investment. It's a lot more time-consuming to read a novel than it is a comic book. See, there's parts of that make sense, but to me, right, when you read a book, like, for instance, I just I just finished reading The Jedi Path. I know I'm probably behind the times, but I actually just finished it about a week ago. When you read something that's, you know, a little bit more extensive than a comic book, to me, I feel a sense of accomplishment, number one. It's not so much burned out. I'm like, hey, you know, I finished a 200, 300-page book. That almost never happens in today's world, so that's you get that little sense of accomplishment that you did that. Number two, you're probably getting a lot more information from a book that size versus a small little comic, which would take you maybe six or six seven comics to even get half of what you would get in one novel so you're definitely getting more information and more knowledge put into you in a book um, than you are getting out of maybe two comics per night i wouldn't argue about the knowledge i mean that's kind of my point it does take more time to get that level of narrative into your head and that that level of backstory and lore just because it's all text-based and i love reading don't get me wrong but i do feel throw it up i, I feel real irritated that so much of the reading of my youth has been made moot in a lot of ways in terms of current canonized lore so much of what i know about star wars is like eh, that sort of didn't happen <laughs> yeah that's frustrating for sure all right well that was awesome let's move on though all right, so it's going to be another great week for Soken coming up. A lot going on. I think on the night side we have over 60 events planned. What? If that in I know, if that includes all of the specs, all of the academy, all of the lightsaber training, uh, there's just a, a whole lot coming up on the calendar this week. I know that Hanan's got Beastmaster stuff coming up, so if you're interested in Beastmaster, look for that on the forums. Definitely make your way to the forums. Definitely check us out on Twitter, and definitely make plans to be at the Guild event, which is Wednesday nights at uh, 9 p.m. That's all light side. What do you have on the dark side, Blue? On the dark side, we have 31 events on the schedule for the next week, including, speaking of Beast Mastery, one of our lords, Rentava, has been developing a dark side version of Beast Mastery, so that's on the calendar for the 30th. Um, we also have 
our rotating council seat event that is on Thursday, March 31st. Darth Arcantha is defending her seat and another seat has opened up. So there are two dark council seats up for grabs. Eligibility, uh, you have to be a lord or higher and you have to have participated in our forum RP for system invasions. We also promoted a Darth to dark council. So congratulations to Theocritos as our newest dark council member. And we promoted several lords this month. Lord Ternia, Lord Allure, Lord Ominous, Lord Verosk, Lord Cadonis, and Lord Oribus. Congratulations to everybody. Super congrats to you guys. Uh, we need to send out a congratulation to Knight Harrington and uh, Knight Hylomia, who were promoted this week. This coming up week is going to be a big week for knightings, but... Let me just put a big stop on everything, Roz. We have to do this, right? We got to. You know, it's a special, huge, awesome shout-out to one of our brothers. Yes. So, without further ado, we would like to send out a congratulations from the top of Mount Olympus to <laughs> council member Colette, who we neglected to talk about last time we were together. Yeah, he was promoted in our absence from the podcast, so we wanted to make sure we tip our hat and say congratulations, brother, and welcome to the family, and keep up the good work. Keep up the good work, council member Armando. Um, so that's that's pretty much it for the show today, right? It was a pretty good show, a lot, lot we covered. Um, want to make sure that you guys tune in week after week. We're going to be here for a long time. Uh, you got anything left for us, Blue? Jason, I think you got one more thing that you need to talk about. It's pretty oh, big. It's oh, pretty, it's pretty new thing. to the guild, right? It's pretty now, huge. No, it's huge. It's it's actually, everybody knows we started out with Knights of Soken. Everybody knows that we birthed through Laborious Pain the, the Lords of Soken who are <laughs> who are growing and successful They're on, the, on the dark side. So check it out. We now have <laughs> Clan Soken, Club Soken, as Mullen likes to call it. Clan Soken on the Imp side, which will be our very first premiere Core Lore Mandalorian Guild. So if you are interested in rolling a Mandalorian character that is fast and upcoming, Zenlid, uh, aka Riage or Rage, will be leading slash building this guild on the imp side. Now I have to say, because this is a burgeoning guild, the, the birth of a guild, you have to choose that guild as your as your only guild to roleplay in um, for now, unless things change down the line. That is so that we have commitment to that guild and have uh, buy-in and, and watch it grow, which we know it will, just like the Lords did. So that's really exciting for anybody who's interested in rolling a Mandalorian character. So just to clear, I want to clarify so everybody knows, Jay. So if I'm a member of Knights of Soken or if I'm a member of Lord Soken and I decide I want to take myself on over to Clay and Soken, I have to be committed strictly to that one, correct? Correct. For the time okay. being, for sure, you have to commit only to the Mandalorian roleplay Mandalorian side. And this is a great time to get in on it. This is the time when uh, you know they're going to be setting up the whole system of how to uh, progress in that guild, um, how it's going to work, You know, having a, the chief or whatever. I'm not real big on Mando lore, but you will be if you join that particular club. Clan, Clan Soken. Don't miss out. Don't forget the Soken Pod Race that is scheduled for April 16th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. If you have questions, look for Tanazra. Ten to the zero. For Roz Winters, Jace Drayson, and myself, Blue, thank you for joining us tonight, and we will catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Knights of Soken podcast. Please click the subscribe button below and follow us on Twitter at Knights of Soken. And look us up on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Knights of Soken.